as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. franchise it's crazy as fuck <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> oh so dana is also a tv expert so <laughs> i want to say expert okay well bigger geek than me so um this is true this is true so more or less um what made you want to get into this show? <laughs> um, David Borean. Um, okay, perfect. <laughs> you know, I had you know, of course, everyone knows knows him, you know, from Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, he had his own show. Um, so um, knowing that he was going to be on there, and I already had been a big fan of uh, Zoe Deschanel as well. So seeing her sister being on there as well, um, and it was just something intriguing about having these people come together for work and then eventually of course it becomes into like a telenovela soap opera you know relationship thing but it wasn't in a bad way they still kept to their um science and research and of course there's a lot of homeland going on in there but i i i actually really liked the show it kept me intrigued it kept coming back for more and I wanted to know how Angela's dad was easy top. So, you know, like... That yeah, was a great recurring plot so arc. Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he came on, like, what, three or four times? So that was pretty cool. So, basically, I got... I heard about it, but I was only seeing the ads, and I could tell, okay, so Fox is going for a mix of what NBC and CBS are doing while mixing in with comedy stuff. <laughs> you know, that's a little over the top, and it's enough for it to be okay for teens, but at the same time, you know, there's might be a little colorful language here and there. Um, I would say it would be like what TV 14. Oh yeah, it or, was. Yeah. It totally earned the rating. Um, and so the stars, yeah. Um, Emily Deschanel as the title character, the stars, David Boreanz as agent Booth. This has Michaela Conlin as Angela. This has, T.J. Thine as Hodgins. It has Tamara Taylor as Camille, their boss, and screenwriter and songwriter John Francis Daly as Sweets. <laughs> and 
John Boyd as the protege FBI agent Aubrey. <laughs> so. Oh man, sweet man. Yep. That whole that whole thing was just like gut wrenching. Dolly. And so I was late to this. I know some people, did you watch this from the get-go or did you come in late? <laughs> no, I came in like, I think season two or three. So, I mean, it wasn't like... That's oh where I God, was as know? well. My sister yeah, was watching it on season three while yeah. it was having reruns on TNT and they still do it to this day. And Yes, and that's how I saw the first episode was on TNT um, and it was a rerun and I was like, this is kind of cool. And, and kind of like in CIS, it was kind of just so funny yeah. how so many people were watching it without even just even talking about it. It's like, oh, I've, I've seen that too. It's like, oh, why don't you tell me about it? I can come over to your house and watch it with you. <laughs> but it's just yeah, funny it how. Yeah, funny because like my aunt and uncle and me, like we would get together, we'd watch it, you know, when it would come Oh, on. yeah. And it's the first one too, so I doing the regular shows. That oh, was, yeah. Even my I, grandmother watched it and she yeah, knew the whole story cool. about how it was based on the actual life of this gal, Kathy Wright. She was a forensic right. anthropologist. And uh, even That's doing research. That's what really made it more gripping, you know, was that it was oh, totally. based on, on somebody. You know, it was based on, on kind of reality for the most part. I mean, I know, of course, a lot of it was, you know, creative license, but there was something oh, totally. actually tangible. And I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty freaking cool. Right. And so it, it kind of did kind of do the whole NCIS thing where it was just like, okay, so they're doing the crime cases the right way and everything. They are actually doing legit ways and the problem solving and then handing it to the feds because it does concern, you know, something like a dead senator or a, you know, a organized crime affiliate or some other kind of scandal. So it makes sense why they would hand it to them. Besides, and it also being... makes sense too with the story, like, okay, they bring a forensic anthropologist on board. And right. of course, he's like, seriously, like, why would I, there's no field training, you know, there's no, I understand from that aspect, like, why would you want someone to come in who has no field training, who doesn't know how to defend themselves, who doesn't, you know, there's all these things about this person, other than they know. It really is hysterical how they wrote but, that. Yeah. <laughs> right. like... But at the same time, it's realistic, because I know for me, you know, if I'm going out in the field and I'm in a, and I'm a trained agent, I'm not going to want somebody who doesn't know what they're doing watching, quote unquote, my back. Because I'm going to be having not only babysit them, babysit my crime scene, babysit. There's a lot of babysitting happening. Totally lots of babysitting. And I look, I'm doing some research for this. Uh, just like I suspected, they wanted to stand out from all the law and order and CSIs of the world. And so Correct. they weren't going to do any they weren't going to be graphic with their crimes and at the same time they also weren't going to do the super cop thing that CSI does where everything is in a comic book world and just is so out there <laughs> everyone is sexy and everything is like no this is just going to be fun cute and get to it it's and I also appreciate the science that they would bring in because I mean I think there was like an episode and I'm pretty sure there was an episode about this not scene where they're using like potatoes and film to create like an x-ray, you know, like, yeah. that's, like really cool science, you know, that's like, okay, that's believable. Like, it's pretty. And awesome. everybody got their say. It wasn't just one or two people who were joking around and everyone else was the straight person. Like they all were smart asses and they all cling to each other because they all kind of connect in a weird way. And it's each just... one has their own, like their own department. Right, each one has their own expertise. If they needed this expertise, they would bring in this person. 
they have just like with any department right not everyone's gonna know everything um there's gonna be some people who are like how would you do this or like well that's my field let me let me tell you how i got to that point absolutely and, you know they, i really did appreciate that they they have to work together like a team that, <clears throat> right but before they become a family you actually do legit buy is like okay they, they can actually stand to work with each other as opposed to they have no chemistry whatsoever and they're just there by comedic circumstance. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was like Booth has always given them shit being a smart ass and then at the same time, it's like he doesn't have a life. So who else is he going to have to hang out with at a diner? <laughs> and that's the other thing too is like he was smart in his own, in his, his own field. Like he was an expert in his field. And of course, these guys don't know anything about how to be in that field. So let me ask you about your expertise. And they never like made him seem like he was dumb, even though he was a little dumb. Or just a muscle head who's just there right. To They'd be like, "This is your field. Trash. Tell me more about like how would this work? You know, tell me how this person would think." It kind of gave you that X Files vibe too, because you know he's yes, a believer, and absolutely. Bones is kind of just more technical. Is like, especially when the <laughs> say goodbye to your d- mother is like she's dead. In the real world, we just, you know, we, we, we vent, you know, we, we cry our ass off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she didn't understand the, the, the point of, like, religion and, and, and following it, you know, because of her background. She was more about all about the science. There's, there's no need to believe in anything other than what the science has given you. And he's like, well, that's, that's great, but we also have to think about the other aspects. So there is, like, a lot of um, give and take and a lot of that yin-yang. Because I would never think these two people would ever <laughs> come together. But, no. you know, the whole opposites attract type thing. So that was brought into play. What do you think about, I won't spoil for everyone else, but the traitor on the team? Because looking that at these was, earlier seasons, I kind of can yeah. buy into that. Because they do kind of make him sound like he's kind of an incel or he's just a unintentional creep. And he's just fascinated with, you know, <laughs> gross, morbid stuff. <laughs> but Oh, like, yeah. You ain't in that. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. I mean, the 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 traitor. I mean, the holy crap. You know, like <laughs> I never saw that coming. I never saw that coming. Um, no. Even, I mean, even when I was all exposed. Right. <laughs> you're, you're you're thinking like, did I miss something? And I actually went back and saw the first <laughs> couple seasons because I wanted to too. like. I I was like, did I? And the thing is, I didn't miss anything because he was just like her. He was just like TJ. He was just like Angela. He was just like, he was just like everybody. You know, he was his own expert in his own field. I think so, that's why it worked. But yeah. I know a lot of people were upset by that because they've grown attached to all their weird, all the weird debacles between everybody. And it's like, well, see, that's the thing. This show was the perfect mix of be serialized and at the same time, Play to the comedy angle for both entertainment purposes and syndication purposes. So it's like you got twelve yeah. seasons, so that's a lot of shit to go for. You know what though? But it never felt. It didn't. I don't know about anybody else, but it never felt that long for me. No, it didn't. And I, I, I was always when I was in college, I was like, yeah, it's in season seven, and everyone was always grabbing. It's, it's season ten. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, look at Frasier. They lasted ten seasons. You know, we right. only eight seasons, and everyone's been stopping at eight and ten. Like, this oh is the longest syndication, syndicated, I think, show was twelve seasons, and the fact is they were able to end it on a holy shit ending. 
they were able to do what they wanted to do, have fun with it. They were able to put in so many damn arcs and you can still keep, a, you can still keep along with it. If you didn't see something, you know, in the middle, it wasn't that big of a deal. And, you know, yeah, you can laser seasons and still be like involved. Totally. It's like laser seasons. They kind of got a little more action. And it's kind oh, of, yeah. I'm not saying that as a flaw or anything, although it felt like a slightly different show. But it was kind of interesting how it's like, okay, so we're going to kind of do what Criminal Minds or 24 does, but we're not going to, it's not going to be too terribly serious. It's going to be serious enough towards Yeah, intense. but it makes sense. So, like, when that bombing went off, um, right. it actually made sense because look at all the shit that they had done up to that point. They already had gained national recognition 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 yeah yeah recognition i'm like what is that word um people recognize them (laughs) (laughs) but they were able not only to be recognized through newspapers but television they were everywhere like they were not they were not really that famous no and then all of a sudden the Smithsonian was everywhere and they all would go to them for these different things that would happen. Now they were actually asking them by name, by team. So I would think that by that point when all that shit started happening and it started uh, uh, having that climax um, was because, you know, they had become more in the the eyes of the, the bad pop culture guys. Eye. The yeah. pop culture, yeah. I mean, even now um, as a, you know, outside right not in the characters of tv shows you can say oh yeah i like bones they know what you're talking about and it's basically the same way within for themselves why wouldn't they be attacked why wouldn't somebody be after them or try to create you know nobody wants to find out that they killed somebody so you know and they're like this huge political you know figure they're going to do something like that trying to get away from it get away with it you know very Um, much so it makes it believable for me that they would have that climax and not saying that it wasn't anti-climax or it wasn't like that entertaining because it really was and it still is to me now oh, um, going back to the beginning and watching it it was a little bit quieter but it would make sense that as the show builds that the climax would build that the anticipation would build and the story arcs would build just like any normal you know in a, a way it was television. basically like a book it's a comfort food read yeah. And you Absolutely. can go back to it whenever you want and still be entertained and go at your own leisure. And like you say, it was kind of, it was always like you say, yeah, very snappy. And then kind of had those small little subtle moments where it's like, oh yeah, something's going down. <laughs> right. And and the thing is you expect that. And if the television would kind of just stay the same plateau that it was in the beginning, I don't think it would have lasted the 12 seasons. Yeah, no, I, I think like you say, had they... I don't know if they had any network pressure or anything, but like you say, had they I totally... never felt that way. And yeah. I never felt like there was any Even when they like were they having everyone the team up with someone else, it's like, yeah. It's like, you kind of... It makes sense if they're hanging out with this person this long that even by plot convenience, that still kind of works enough because they've grown to appreciate and respect one another. So it's like, at least they didn't. it didn't happen after just like the third or fifth season, you know? <laughs> no, but I also appreciated that even when they were on their own, they could still hold their own. They didn't, like, they worked great as a team, but they also worked well on their own. Oh, like, so they, very they, true. You see what I'm saying? Like, they, even when they, you would see them, like, come together and they would be 
you know, like they were caught by themselves, they were still able to pull something out of their asses to save themselves. Even as someone like artistic as Angela, like she still found ways to get out of her situations because they were all, yes, they were expert in their fields, but they all were intelligent enough to be like, I can make this work. They were, they were also learning as they They were going too. I mean, they don't call them, you know, all these pathologists and forensic people for nothing. You know, it's like, yeah, they, you, you need some degree of that. Otherwise, yeah, how did they get here? <laughs> oh. No, absolutely. And it makes it makes perfect sense, you know, that that they would show that. Because, I mean, it's important to be obtained. But look at uh, NCIS, right? They're usually working in a team, a team of two. When they usually do their solo stuff, they don't work well unless they work with somebody else. Like they have uh, to yeah. have that. They I have would to cringe have that two person. Yeah. On some episodes where Abby was person. annoying, or yeah. if Tony was just being a smart ass, it's like, no, I need them all playing off against each other while they solve a problem. Otherwise, you know. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> waiting they, they for kids no, to get it, there and shoot the guy in the face, then yeah, right to save the day. Like there, <laughs> there was needing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Abby was strong in her own way, and she stood up for herself. But you know, when when she tried to get kidnapped, and she had the whistle, and then when she had the, you know, the the spike, yeah. you know, thing, I mean, she was she always dressed like this badass, but she really wasn't. And that's what's nothing wrong with that. You know, she was a forensic scientist herself, but. Um, they even based really off an actual person, own. apparently. Yeah, and <laughs> so. they couldn't work on their own. While Bones, even when they were on their own, they could still take care of themselves. And especially as a team, they could work as a team. So I really did appreciate that disposition and that contrast. Totally. I think it's interesting how, like you say, I mean, they they could open up. You know, it was like an actual like skin solution in a way it's opening up the pores and you're seeing all the ugly side of this without graphic detail and at the same time you're seeing them and uh kind of bare their soul once in a while and really just uh you get even an idea of what's going through their minds without it being just morbid or disturbing it's just a fun escapade as a whole (laughs) No, absolutely. I mean, look at, um, for example, Angela, right? Her expertise was art and rebuilding and, you know, her photography skills. And she had to learn from the very beginning from scratch. And then eventually was doing like 3D modeling. Like these, yeah. these were things that she was learning on her own. Nobody was saying, hey, you have to learn this. She's like, no, if I want to be a part of this, I need to be better. I need to become better. Because at first you, could... you think they're losers or something. It's like, no, right. they're just outcasts who are Correct. very good and have made, found out how to market their skills because they Correct. they had enough social skills to get by, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They weren't just in their parents' basement or with too much free time in between high school and college, you know? <laughs> and that, that's so true. She, they, the, the photo does work as a good gimmick and as a good way to characterize her as opposed to her just being the third or fourth billing. And... Yeah, because she's um, the only one that really didn't have a higher education uh, that I haven't done with my life. And I standing there staring to have her say anything. You could just be like, oh, she's trying to put the puzzle together. And right. that to me was so much information and so much conversation without say, her saying, yes, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to 
I want to put it together. Like, no, you see her looking at it going, how am I going to put this puzzle piece together? Let me figure <laughs> out how to make this better. And you didn't have to have her say anything. And as the, the, the show progressed, she would get these amazing new, you know, improved. And she's like, I don't know anything about this, but let me figure this out because I need to make sure that it works for what we're doing. And she would learn it. And that, that takes a skill that most people don't have. Absolutely. Uh, at that point, it gives both the writer and the characters some bragging points. It's like, okay, they come this far, so now they get the stage. You know, <laughs> they get to. Correct, because I mean, most of the characters this. they had it was based on real, and then the rest of the people were not. These were just made up characters. So, how do you make up a character that's because you already have someone that's already uh, there, so it's easy to riff off of. But how do you create a character from scratch to riff off of something that's already there? Totally. That's the how do you enhance thing. them without feeling like now it's just the writer act writing for the actor or actors just ad-libbing, you know? <laughs> Doesn't necessarily well, go. Well, not only that, but like, if you look at the shows as it goes, you know, every character grows like we talked about. But when you have something that already exists and you create something that doesn't exist, it needs to feel like that person was already there all along and it totally. wasn't just like oh shit we forgot this part we're gonna just throw that in and, make, and hope that it works you know it never felt rushed it never felt like they were putting shit out of their asses at least in my opinion it yeah, always felt like there so. was a reason for for what they were doing yeah i think they had enough books to review I must confess, I've not read those books. I'm sure they're entertaining reads. If I did, I probably saw part of one at Barnes & Noble. But, I mean, when the author, you know, bases those novels off of her own experience and then, you know, promotes the show, I think they already had a healthy balance. I'm sure they were picking her brain as well, saying, hey, would you approve if we went there with this, you know, versus that? And... I think it helped that developer uh, Hart Hansen, you know, had already been doing plenty of other comedy shows. Like, you know, he already had written for Judging Amy and he had written especially some amusing excerpts on Stargate SG-1. <laughs> Love Judging Amy. Absolutely. Totally. And those and, are all ensemble shows that, again... I mean, and I, and I want to just touch upon this real quick. Like, Castle definitely took a lot from that. Oh, totally. And 05 was just a big year in general. I mean, yeah. everything was premiering. Burn Notice, Prison Break, Criminal Minds. Uh, and then you have all these other established shows that are already in like their third or fourth season. So, I mean, it definitely had a lot of competition cut out for it. And it is like, how do we spin the wheel more and more? And I mean, all these actors just, they really did luck out. You know, TJ Thine had just been in a bunch of slacker comedies. Michaela had done a few indie films i've seen the film she did with adrian brody <laughs> she was good in it but i did not like that movie but um uh but uh yeah tamara taylor was like on two episodes of ncis supposed to be a recurring character and she had to choose do you want to stay on the show or do you want to be on this new show and be the new boss and she had to I i'm so glad she picked this because i mean she instantly was like just everyone's favorite tv boss <laughs> well not just that but i mean she had her shit together she was very organized and meticulous and that's what the team needed they didn't need somebody to be hand holding sugar coating yeah needed somebody that was going to be like this is what it's going to be this is how it needs to go 
go, go, go. Now, because before I used to be that dude, I think for the first season, it didn't work out too well until they brought her in. And I just felt like everything gelled Yeah, out. the boss, I, I couldn't have seen that lasting another season. He just yeah. was always there for exposition or to ask them to go to an art gallery. And it's like, had they kept doing that, that would have been like... The death of that show, honestly. It really would. It would have. And I mean, season one is pretty taut because by the end of it, you they're really clicking and they're pretty much stop giving each other shit and just realize, hey, by the way, we can keep joking around, but we have each other's backs and we're going to find yeah. out what happened to your parents so that we have a serialized mystery, a recurring mystery of some sort in between the standalone mystery. And uh, I can understand totally why John Francis Daly, who played Swedes, you know, went on to be a writer, you know, on some of those superhero movies as well as horrible bosses. It's like, yeah, he is just a natural comedic type. So that totally makes sense to me. It's natural progression. And I don't know if people notice this, but the same guy who played Bones' dad also played Gibbs' dad. Um, so I just thought that was actually kind of fucking cool. Um, a lot of people don't don't know that. But yeah, the same actor who played... Um, oh, uh, from the Waltons? I, yes, I believe oh, that's wow. the guy from the Yeah, so he played Bones' dad, and not Bones' dad, excuse me, Booth's dad. Um, but he also played okay, Gibbs' yeah. dad and NCIS. Mm -hmm. And actually, when he died in real life, um, I remember both that. Carmen yeah. and uh, Boreans uh, did something for him, and then um, in the TV show, um, they actually show like the funeral for NCIS for him. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought that yeah. was actually kind of cool because he was playing basically both dads. Um, and that's so I, wild. I, yeah, it's so wild because. And when was, the Waltons, he was already famous for playing the TV dad. So yeah, right. So he was playing the TV dad on both shows and. Bones had a lot of the NCIS and NCIS had a lot of the Bones, and then you um, they all kind of complimented each other. They were friendly they really rivals did. instead yeah, of like being like CSI, who was just like, let's just keep going and you know, and throw everything in there. Yeah, now let's throw in you know New Orleans. Uh, oh no, wait, that's NCIS. <laughs> I know what you mean. Miami, CSI, like there's all these CSIs popping up because they were like, we need to make money somehow. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, Boreans came straight from Angel, right? He hadn't been in anything in between Angels and Bones? Yeah, yeah, he had done just, like, indie comedies and other stuff, and, okay. you know, he'd been in that awful movie, Valentine, which, you know. I don't, he, I don't even remember that. He got a lot of people to sit. I would see it come on every once in a while in the mornings, and it was just, again, the billionth, you know, scream, I know what you did last summer, knockoff, and it was just so hysterical. It's like, oh, no. And, and I, I, I th but I think he learned right then and there, he's like, okay, so I'm not going to fuck around with movies if they don't have a good script. So I better stick to TV. So I was lo loving looking at the trivia, how he almost passed this up and they just convinced his agent and the writers just said, just, you know, I know you love the script and you're getting frustrated by our process, but trust me, I, we really think you are the one main pick for the show <laughs> when all the negotiations are done. And I do want to actually hand out there there are some other interesting names that attached with this that I saw while I was just even watching it. I saw like Gary Glassberg, who again later took over as NCIS head writer. He did a Amazing. lot of the later right. seasons, like we're talking like post season 10. And he was really good at keeping the show not only alive, but also ensuring that again, you know, the new characters didn't become the billionth, you know, Abby or Tony clone. And he did all the he just made sure that there was always a lot of just briskly paced like 
five-parters sometimes, not just the two-parters that begin or end the season, but also just like five, another just manhunt in between. And by episode three or four, it's done. And we, now we can go back to a solo episode. But then he not only was developing the New Orleans spinoff for a while and doing the crossovers with the main show, but then he died suddenly of a heart attack at age like 54 or something. And yeah, it's like, super young. So everyone was devastated because then, like you say, they've just lost the TV get dad and like, you know, they've already said goodbye to Belisario, the main creator right. of that years ago. So it's like, man, uh, but Glassberg, I, I can totally understand him working on this show. Uh, Janet Tamaro was a head writer for this and SVU before she became developer of another book adapted show known as Rosalie and Isles, which is also in very much what it, ways just a very similar show how do we stand out I was gonna say it's very similar and and that's the same thing Castle was very similar and like I said 05 was was a big year for a lot of shows but it it also because they saw that it was working for Bones and they're like we need to cash in on that cash cow even White Collar uh White Collar good example yeah how do you love I actually liked White Collar but it felt the same it it felt the same it was two people there was all this stuff that catch me if you can which is actually really freaking cool that they would base off of that but right perception we mentioned last time is like it was very possible to make like i mean i I even brought up rizzoli and i was i mean you could easily say that's kagmi and lacy 2.0 but that's right absolutely had to be different and right. how do you be different? You make your characters stand out. Have them but that's the thing, though. Like, they're all based on something, right? So you have Cagney and Lacey, right? Then you have Catch Me If right. You Can. Then you have uh, Castle, which is basically a, a, a Bones uh, NCIS. And it was based off the book, too, right? Yeah, of course. And, of course, but it's it actually, <laughs> I don't know if people don't know this, but if you go buy a Castle book, a Rich ca- Richard Castle book, uh, at the very back, it'll actually have Nathan Fillion's face versus the author's face. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's really freaking it's cool. See, but that's but, what gave that its own identity. They, they, you know, how they right. would have authors like James Patterson cameo as themselves. And it's like, this one, the most they did is like near the end, they would, with Bones, they would do just wacky, just like mysteries. Like, and even my grandmother who was like, yo, you don't make fun of, you know, JFK conspiracies and all that, you know? And even she was able to admit that episode where they find out who's JFK's killer. Oh, <laughs> Agent Booth is related to John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> was crazy but at the same time you're like that makes sense you right. know like even though that was a little crazy at the same and he's time, more similar like, to bones than he ever imagines like she came from imagined. a weird family but, and he came from yeah. an infamous murderer <laughs> yeah and they're like well shit you know there's there's more you know that we thought and i actually kind of like that because well it's sometimes they're working a little too involved with their personal lives um as far as the characters personal lives at the same time, like I said, if we wouldn't have gotten that in-depth personalities, we wouldn't have been so involved and we wouldn't have been so attached and we wouldn't have been so surprised at the ending because we knew these people. We saw them for 12 fucking years. You know? They ended it pretty well considering how like near the end Fox interfered with their contracts and both stars were like, oh, you fucked us on our know residuals <laughs> so yeah and they're like they did pretty well, good gonna, for being troopers <laughs> absolutely you know they're gonna go out there we're gonna go all out with a bang no pun intended uh but they did they they went out like champs and never felt rushed and never felt like they were just trying to get through it it always felt like there was a really good episode um i didn't know what episode it was gonna be which was actually kind of cool 
Um, I'm looking forward to revisiting went, it again. You just went for the ride, <laughs> but that's what made Bones so unique because everyone else was playing riffs. You know, they're riffing off of that. Well, Bones Always. is its own Bones, you know. Everybody else after that was just kind of like, let's get this cash cow while we can. Like the other shows that we mentioned, I thought they were not good within their own, but look how long Bones lasted. They lasted right. 12 seasons. Everyone else was like four, five Any seasons, other show you know? would just get too caught up or be publicized for, oh, so-and-so exit stage right. It's like they didn't have anyone leaving the show after a well, while. Well, look and at NCIS. You have yeah. 15 seasons, 16 seasons now. I apologize. Someone's got to leave eventually. And yeah. they already <laughs> lost three people. So right? you're, then at that point, it's no longer, the only person left right now, I think, is Harmon. And so it's kind of like. And he's going to not be in as many episodes now from this point on because he was only good for 18 seasons. So it's like, okay, well. <laughs> yeah, and he's getting older. He can't do as much anymore. And of course, um, I can't remember the actor's name that played Tony. He has his own show called Bull. Oh, yeah. But and... that's his own unique show. And I, and I appreciate that. But it also kind of feels like, um, oh, that show with uh, James Spader. Uh, oh, Boston Legal. Lawyer. Yeah. Boston Legal. Um, it kind of has that Boston Legal feel to it. Um, I'm a huge fan of James Spader, so, like, you know, I, I am, I'm are. in love with him. But <laughs> I'm in love with him. He's, you know, Ultron, y'all. So, um, That's why you know, I thought he should have really just taken a, he basically took over the office and i'm like it should have built on that one more <laughs> oh absolutely I mean, it should have been have, um, more alan short blacklist i believe is the show right um, so there and you that go one with that. just kind of went crazy because like i stopped watching that after about everyone's think, watching it seasons. just because of him they're not watching it for yeah, the quality of the but show then it just kind of went <laughs> yeah. on and on kind of like this has just gone on and on at least with bones it's something unique something they they created on their own and it lasted until totally. it needed to last, and they didn't like spread it out too thin. And I feel like with NCIS, with Castle, uh, uh, White Collar, uh, Rizzolian Isles, um, SVU, CSI, I mean, they just kind of go, some of them were, went on a little bit longer than they should have, and some of them didn't last as long as I thought they would, but when they right. lasted as long as they did, I'm like, eh, it's all right. You know, I'm not heartbroken about it yeah there are those shows is like if it ends tomorrow that's fine and then there's others where it's like well mm, i don't know i feel like it's been done to death and then there's others where it's like well if they end it it better be done with some serious respect it better not be playing it safe or just everyone dies and then it ends anticlimactically and canceled it's like, now, you know. me if I'm wrong. did you ever finish um castle i didn't i think i threw in the towel a while because right. it, it it felt like they were using too many different writers after a while, and it's like now we got to have a murderer attack the team, but just for ratings' sake, not because the story demands it. <laughs> okay, and I kind of feel like that's a riff off of Bones, right? So they, everyone's they trying that, to imitate each other. Like I heard right. that similar show, that Body of Proof. Progression with Bones, while Castle is like, shit, we need to do something about ratings, so let's bring in someone sexy. Uh, let's right. bring in, you know, a murderer. Let's bring in, you know, and I'm kind of like that. If you would have just kept to the books of Castle and how he was a part of discovering these mysteries and this Sherlock Holmes Watson thing that they were doing, 
they could have kept going with that and then you bring in elementary but we're not going to talk about that right now but yeah these guys were their own Sherlock Holmes but no that is a good thing is like everyone has to do a compare and contrast like Law and Order Criminal Intent started featuring CSI type flashbacks by like season six to get to up its ratings um uh and then um uh, there was that similar show, Body of Proof, and by season three, the creator admitted, I'm a big fan of Colonel Mines, so we decided to have that kind of vicious, you know, cat and mouse games going on. And it's like, yeah, I mean, every show eventually is going to evolve, and sometimes you can't please everyone. You're going to have that one season where you're like, well, it's a different kind of show by that point. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean, even the same thing with, like, White Collar. I actually really liked, you know, Captain of the Cat, and I like that they, they went off of that, you know, how he was caught. You know, oh, totally. Was caught. You know, like, I That's like when that USA understood its character's welcome slogan. It's like, you got Monk, now you got Psych, right. now you got Burn Notice, and right. now you got White right. Collar. And these all right. complement each other. They're all cross-promoted with each other, sometimes Correct. having characters appear in the same promos. And Bones Correct. did that, too. Do you remember the right. Simpsons episode? Right. It was a blink yes. and you miss it. They're just testing out the characters randomly on a screen, and then well, lo and behold, the Simpsons are on, like, later that week, and those actors appear as their characters in voiceover versions animated you know what i always thought about that was really funny uh with sg1 was o'neill's favorite character was homer and they brought that up i don't know how many times in the whole show oh yeah uh, this you know simpson so i thought that was kind of cool that you know even, even had richard dean anderson appear on there so yeah, yeah so that was actually it, it, they even brought the creator the, the guy who does homer onto the show i remember uh, that Blinking. and so he was actually get to meet him and i'm like that's so cool you know that they did that but inside there, jokes there were no there was no crossover though there was like no they were not even in the same syndication they weren't even on the same fiction it was or, so or wild since like, fox affiliates were replaying stargate you would have thought that would have made sense so <laughs> yeah and so that was kind of neat that they brought that in but with bones and with uh and the white collar excuse me white collar with the other shows is that they had a lot to work with 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 white collar but i felt like by three and four they were kind of grasping at straws on how to make it better so we're gonna create this huge conspiracy and this huge you know, thing that's happening that we don't know about because he somehow is, you know, was a cat thief and, you know, I don't know, like, they're just adding some stuff that I'm like, okay, it's a little far-fetched. A little too much there. I'm going to let you go ahead and break some rules. I liked it when it was mode. And I'm like, seriously? (laughs) It should have definitely stayed in 48 hours mode and then it kind of instead went into lethal weapon mode. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's exactly what it felt like. It's becoming a joke of a joke and it's avoiding becoming an unintentional joke, but there's still some stuff where you're like, if this wasn't a comedy, this just wouldn't work. Well, that's the thing is that White Collar wasn't a comedy, it was a dramedy. And so... Um, oh, yeah, but with, with Bones also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Even Bones, I mean, it's a dramedy, right? It's more of a drama than... More than of a dramedy comedy. mystery, yeah. Yeah, but in some instances, I think even though they both had a lot of work to work off of, like they had a lot of books, they had a lot of you know, history there. Um, there was a lot of information for them to work off, but I also think it's like, who do you have versus the other person has, right? Right. Who is the opponent this in terms of ratings or just this year, you know, on the channel? Absolutely. And it also helps that 
by the time my caller came around, we had been watching <laughs> Bones for such a long time that, uh, yeah, we want to watch something different, but we always kept back going back to Bones. I did. Every once in a while, I'd, and even then, I'd always see an ad or just catch some making up promo them on some entertainment show, and it was funny. And, I mean, and they kept doing other sneaky things, uh, like uh, <laughs> Emily Deschanel even played Bones on a episode of Bojack Horseman just randomly so in animated form so oh I, think, I know Bojack I didn't I didn't see that I've never seen that show because I decided to go see it I noticed that but, on a resume uh, that's pretty funny so I guess that's where the only time the network interfered is they said okay you guys are gonna for a Halloween you're gonna cross over with our other hit show Sleepy Hollow <laughs> that is true Sleepy Hollow uh, like I said I only saw the first season but that episode just kind of but... it got heavily promoted but even after yeah. seeing it it goes over my head it didn't really stand out as a crossover now the show in and of itself I'm kind of with you where I see why a lot of people like it and at the same time I kind of think it's an okay, okay high kind of death, death. No, no. Uh, you're breaking up a little bit I'm sorry. I don't know why I broke up but I'm pressing it again Okay, okay, there yeah. you are. So you said okay. that the reason why... Uh, what, again, I, I, I think Sleepy Hollow is kind of just more of a, you know, Highlander. Idea. You got this 250-year-old warrior, and he's fighting all these other urban legends. And then after a while, it just kind of becomes whatever, you know, with which is just a bunny formula. Uh, but I can, I'm kind of with you, where it's like, yeah, so many other shows kind of did this better, like Grimm and what have you. And it's like, yeah, it's watchable, but I would never put it as my, you know, favorite show of all time, you know? No, I mean, I, saw, I only saw the first season of Sleepy Hollow. I, I tried to, to jump back in on second season, um, but they, they had changed a lot of people by that point, and it was just, it didn't feel like the same creators or the same writers or the same anything. So I guess it kind of was more of casual, that. you know? It, yeah. it wasn't, I must see it every week. And at the same time, no. I think Bones was struggling with, there was a lot of people who were just tired of procedurals. So they had to just, at that point, it was like, okay, well, we're just a comedy show now, you know. <laughs> that you know, we're just a comedy show now, um, because I think a lot of them were were trying to bring had that uh, back and forth banter that they always had, kind of like uh, X Files, like you said. Um, right. At the same, you know, at the same time, you know, it, it makes sense that they would bring in some kind of comedy relief into it versus um, always being staying so serious. Because when new FBI that, agents who are douchebags who <laughs> right <laughs> threatening or, to or, shut them know, down. And then you bring in new new people, right? They brought in new uh, assistants, and you know, to bring it into the show and and to kind of add to that. Um, there's like the Hispanic one. I can't remember his name, but he's actually a really good actor. Um, I think I know. Yeah, he was brought in, and then like you know, you would see different um, uh, uh, scientists coming in and out, but you still had your core group. Um, so th oh, I think that was super important to bring in some kind of like, yes, realistically, if you're working like for the Smithsonian, you're not going to just have five people. You're going to This have... allowed the actress to even evolve over time. I mean, Emily Deschanel, she had just had just kind of just cameo equivalents in movies like Cold Mountain and Spider-Man 2. And uh, here, you know, she's able to, you know, she was able to really just, now you kind of get that gist of she can do wacky comedy just like her si her younger sister, you know? And... And it actually kind of helped too, like when they got married and they're living together and then they totally. have a kid, you know, totally. that, like I said, sometimes you're like, okay, you're too involved with their personal lives, but at the same time, you kind of needed that in order for it to stay 
as as evolving as it had been. Totally. Um, so that way that comedy like comes in, you're like, oh, I get that reference. You know, I understand that reference, you know. Uh, but we're talking about crossovers. And the one that really was surprising to me was like Scooby-Doo and Supernatural. That made no sense to me. Yeah, because uh, I mean, they'd been kind of Scooby-Doo, but were kind of for older teens and adults. You know, it was never a kid's show. And yet you saw those guys because I guess it was on the CW. You, you would see them at like a Nickelodeon award show or some shit. And like, okay. <laughs> and I think the reason why they were doing that is because um, Warner Brothers. Long, when they did that, um, uh, sure. CW was doing that a lot with the crossovers. And they figured, mm-hmm. oh, we need to get in on this cash cow. Again, the whole bone thing, right? They started it. Everyone else has the cash. Yeah. Out. What did you think of the first crossover they did? I remember seeing the backdoor pilot for the finder, the first spinoff they did. I never really saw much of the show, and it seemed like it was fun, but it just so became... Finder uh, only lasted, I believe, two seasons. Um, but that was cool that they brought him in to, to Bones um, as his mm-hmm. brother, I believe it was, or his, or his best friend. Something, something like that. And uh, I and, actually liked the Finder. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was really funny. I thought it was kitschy. Um, it was the final role of Michael Clark Duncan. So. That's right. And I think that's why I think that's why it only uh once he died, they were like, How how are we gonna how do we continue? And they, they, and they didn't because they couldn't. Yeah. Um but that's why it it didn't last more than two seasons because he passed away and I completely respect that and I appreciate that. But it was actually I, I actually really did thoroughly enjoy that show and I thought it was cool that they brought him in to to help out with the case or they brought them into history. I can't remember how that went. My sister lighting up, she's like, hey, that's the one guy from that one show. He's hearing this, and it's like, that actually becomes a bigger part of the other show. So it's like, yeah, okay, it's not yeah. bad. Because like you say, other backdoor pilots have done it to where it's like, it's just awkward. It doesn't really have anything to do with the actual show. You know? Yeah, Styles it's like if they brought Monk into Bones. That'd be weird. That would be interesting, it but it would be a different but style. They wouldn't bring, but they could bring Monk into Finder, and it would be okay. Yeah, because Finder's way more kind of like Murder, She Wrote, way more slower pace, which is definitely Monk's alleyway, and like you say, Bones is kind of faster pace, like it's the anti-CSI and anti-law and order, and at the same time, it's... It would make sense if you brought Blind Spot into Bones, or Bones into Blind Spot, you know what I mean, versus... Maybe. No, they they would the have to remind face, everyone of... They both have FBI, and both have... Um, Oh, what is her name? The the Cajun lady from from Bones. Not uh, child. Uh oh, what is her she just big Cajun lady. Um uh, she, she was also on um Oh uh, you're talking about the uh Baptiste gal, I think. No. Different British. And she gal. was like this uh, older lady, she was kind of heavy set. She was kind of Cajun. She was like the boss of a booth, kind of. That's kind of what I'm thinking, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. but she was also in um... Blind Spot, you have to remind everyone Blind to spot. actually laugh. <laughs> yeah, so she, I was like, what was I talking about? Yeah, she showed up for a couple episodes on that one, too, so it was actually kind of neat seeing her, you know, do, do both. Later part uh, of her career, and yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And because there had been a gap between Bones and Blind Spot. So, uh, but it's the FBI, so why wouldn't Bones, you know, interject with that? So, right. that, if they would have lasted a lot longer. I think they could have done Crotal Minds. Crossover. Um, 
just be- before before it gets even more serious, I'm talking just like they would hang out with oh, Doctor Grant, yeah. Doctor Reed, and <laughs> um, no, because JJ. I, I, it'd be kind of cool to see like <laughs> like Garcia especially would totally get along yeah. with. <laughs> She'd be oh. doing hacking for you know. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So it's it's it would have been interesting that they would have lasted longer. Like where were those processes would have been, and what would make more sense? What could versus um, what would yeah, just like, and. Well, look, Rosalia Isles would be perfect in Castle. I would totally, yeah. Uh, hell, let's have all three shows crossover. <laughs> Great marriage. Unfortunately, That'd they be crazy. they they often don't do it. They, I mean, the closest you got is how Tom Fontana and Dick Wolf, you know, would have shows like their Homicide and Law and Order just cross over with each other, and then they, you know, wouldn't name the actor or the character except on IMDb, so that way they didn't get into a rights issue. And it's like, chase. So <laughs> it's approved, and yet. You still can't mention it because you're just afraid there might be a lawsuit or, you know, Fox might have a problem with NBC and vice versa. <laughs> it's like, well, no, and, and there would be, right? So, I mean, right. I, I think that... It's official, the, but unofficial, so... <laughs> correct, correct. So, that's why I, I found, like, some crossovers to be a little weird, and then some, like, no, that actually makes sense, but... Um, I the final crossover was- they did was very subtle, like... I don't think any, it took a while for everyone to realize, you do realize Rosewood and this are in now in the same universe. It's the final crossover they've done. And yep. Rosewood is yep. kind of, again, another CSI on steroids kind of show. It's energetic and fun, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not a must-see. It's just fun popcorn, you know? It's like background, background stuff. Yeah, yeah fun stuff. And it does enough stuff to kind of make it way more entertaining than other passable stuff. And at the same time, you're like, Okay, but this is mainly just for fans of the actors or just who want an easygoing time killer. And so it's like, but it, I thought it was even funnier because it's like going back, like you, going back to season one, is like Morse Chestnut plays a narc in like the early first season. So I was just joking to myself, maybe he's, this is the Rosewood backdoor pilot. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. Before yeah. he was actually created, but no, he wasn't. He was just a guy oh. taking down crooked rap <laughs> producers. But I just thought it was funny. I do think John Boyd has evolved as an actor because before this, he did the eighth and initially final season of 24 before they brought it back two more times. And he, di- I didn't like that season. And I didn't think he had much to do other than the, who the hell is Jack Bauer line? <laughs> you don't know. And then he comes back, you know, here on this show, this other Fox baby, this other hit show. And you can totally see him kind of evolving as an actor. And so that I think this show totally got him his current gig, which is on CBS's FBI. <laughs> right, right. So he's going to keep being the federal guy or the geek guy. And he's okay with that typecast because that's just, that's what he's been handed. And Well, it's the same thing with David Boreanaz, right? He always, I mean, besides Buffy and Angel, he went to play, of course, FBI. And then after that, he had his own show playing FBI or CIA or whatever he was playing. So it's, it's been like that typecast of a soldier type. Yeah. Uh, as is even, in fact, currently on SEAL Team. That's He's what working, it is, SEAL Team. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called. Right. Yeah. CIA, but same kind of deal. CIA-sponsored, you know, special forces guy. So it's kind of funny, though. I noticed he was using a lot of the same directors, including, including yeah. well, yeah, and similar mannerisms, but Ian Toyton is the one who's been helming that. And he's like, yeah he for the longest time kind of was overseeing the visual style of bones so makes sense that he would oversee that show now um well what about flashpoint because uh the main actor on flashpoint wasn't just shoot me and he was also an sg1 for an episode but 
it was just really and of course over some interest in um, galaxy quest galaxy, <laughs> galaxy quest exactly so uh that's maybe they could have like, done a veronica cool, mars like, yeah. point and i kind of felt like boreans would have been better for that but because he had just done the sg1 episode as that special ops guy um it was interesting that he went from that to flashpoint i've even known people who had only seen him on buffy and angel so I told him yeah. about Bones. They're like, oh, he can actually act. I'm like, well, I didn't think he was bad on the other show, but I see what you mean. That show was kind of more just fun well, camp, you know? Well, yeah, it, it was super campy, and it was supposed to be campy, right? Right. It wasn't <laughs> supposed to be taken um, very seriously, even though some episodes were serious. Um, it was like That was charmed, just to right? catch everyone some, by surprise, you know? <laughs> yeah, charmed. Some pieces were very serious, and some oh, were yeah. campy. But then that's you how, see- That's Aaron Spelling for you. <laughs> right that's Aaron spelling for you and so when you see like uh you know from Buffy to Angel to Bones you're like holy shit he can't act it's not just campy and that really yeah. gave him that leg up to do SEAL team um because now it's a very serious role that he plays in SEAL team um versus you know oh, yeah. a little bit of humor it's all like straight face you know so that was interesting to me oh totally and I think they all had enough of a background clearly someone was looking at the dailies in the audition booth and just like, I see what I did there audition booth. <laughs> and um, they, they could see that they could do different kinds and forms and other subtleties of their emotions. So I think that the casting just was spot on. This is like, okay, you know, TJ Thine was on Walker, Texas Ranger for a while, for God's sakes. And he yes, was playing was. a villain hack in the stacker. Totally different kind of show. <laughs> you know, he actually reminded me, TJ Thine reminded me of, of Sirius from uh, Con Air, you know, uh, yeah. Malkovich's, like, character. Kind of, yeah. Me of that, you know, uh, that kind of style, which is interesting because TJ Thine. Uh, when you see him in Bones, a completely different person totally. from, from what he was in, in Walker. So that was just, <laughs> that was actually kind of cool to see him. Like, because when I saw him, I was like, oh, he's going to be the bad guy. Because I just like, right. you know, that's what he played for just a long Why time. Not? to see him be like this smart, like sexy scientist <laughs> guy. And you're like. <laughs> what he's actually like really good you know and then of course i hadn't seen emily in anything i only knew her sister so yeah it was intriguing to me to see her i mean be a, such a huge role i mean she got the lead on a tv she got show. to be the lead and she knocked it out of the park and is it like really did. Um, i i and it's kind of been a shame i mean she technically none of these guys have to work from this point on but at the same time it's like it was like now she's been doing guest spots. I'm like, I kind of want you to just lead your own show or your own movie again. Like, I feel like you should even make your own movie since her dad was like a cinematographer. That's how she got into this. You know? Yeah, which is really crazy because I mean, her sister's doing a lot, you know. And um, and her sister like, guest star on one episode. Yes, as her. Sister. That's what I was thinking of. So, so there you go. That, <laughs> yeah, she played her sister, and they're like, "What? Like, you have a sister just <laughs> like you?" But she was only one episode. Like after that, she just disappeared. So yeah, what would um, happen? That would be kind of cool to do like a recurring role, like once, of, like when they did with Susie Pop, right? So mm-hmm. um, it would have been kind of cool if you know when they would get together for holidays or when they were looking for her dad. Her dad <laughs> came around with her kid. You know, it would have been kind of cool if they would have brought her in. But I think at the time, some other wacky reunion. Girl, well, she was busy doing New Girl. And oh, totally. They were filming like somewhere completely different. Um, so I I think that the timing was just it really sucked for her because I think when she did the cameo, it was right before she did New Girl, 
And then after that, that's actually good for, I think, seven seasons. I could be wrong. I don't know how many seasons it was. I mean, but schedules I are wacky. So, yeah. yeah. Well, what about this? Yeah. They could have definitely cl- crossed over with The Closer. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Another show that premiered in 05. Because that was about also just kind of the same thing. Just everyone commands each other. They don't have any s- sexism. Anyone who is toxic quickly learns, you know, from day one. You don't fuck around anymore. Just let's let's solve some crimes and then, you know, we can actually, we might, since we're on the clock, we might as well have Thanksgiving together, you know? <laughs> and you know what? I really did appreciate that too from Bones. Um, going totally. back to that was that, yes, he was like, oh my God, babysitting. But once you realize they have no training, they, you know, he's like, if you're going to be on the field, you need to learn. You need to be, you know, I need to be able to count on you. And then once he did, he was over being, the whole damsel distress thing or babysitting because she's like, yeah, they're, they're good. They can take care of themselves and I know they can help me out too because they help with different amount of jams too. So I thought that was actually kind of cool that there was, at first it wasn't really the sexual thing. It was just more like, oh my God, I don't have time to babysit you. I don't um, have, and they would always joke with each other like, oh, that's not sexist, you know, and that was their way of, we're not going to be PC, but we're also not going to be like you say, we're not going to play it safe. We're not going to be so cliche and so obvious. And again, I, I think a lot of these guys, with all the pop culture references they were making, I mean, you kind of see with Community. Absolutely. Community was oh, making yeah. fun of itself yeah. after it yeah. went downhill. And so it's just like, yeah, I think this show, it didn't want to be the butt of many jokes of, did you see what they did there? That was so out of place. You know, they wanted but to think just... think about it too, like the first season... They did the whole low-cut shirt, you know, blah, blah, blah. But Everyone's wearing a skirt or them, giant yeah, pants. They took them serious after the first season. They were now dressing like they would normally dress. Um, Ruth is just dressed. speaking over everyone yeah. uh, and, and using a gun that I doubt any FBI agent would use. It looks like a cowboy. And then, yeah. And then Bones is just like basically – She's either she's doing the typical CSI thing where I either ask yeah. a question that I should already know the answer to, and it's like, what the fuck? No, <laughs> don't be exposition. Tell us. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. Like I, I they had the first I, season as the I, jumping point well, to say never yeah. again. Yeah, <laughs> and never it's not again. a bad season. And I think they, but, I think they listened. They did. Yeah. People were saying something, or she was like, "Look, if I'm going to be the lead, then I'm going to be the lead. I don't have to use sex to to do that." And mm-hmm. um, granted, they did become together, like you know, Castle did, but it wasn't forced. It took its time to get it took there. Its time. Castle, Castle was like, it felt forced. Right. Will they or won't they? And I mean, don't get me wrong. Other shows like that did that to death. Like Chuck did that, and it's like, no. Oh, I love just, Chuck. Don't talk I, I, about I, Chuck. I love. I love it too. But <laughs> after a while, you know, by season five, I was like, Well, she's like a twelve, and he's a nine, and there's nothing right. wrong with Zachary Levi, especially now as she's because he's fucking hotter than everything. But um, I'm always been in love with him. If you're listening to this, Zachary Levi, I am in love with you. Will you marry me? <laughs> um, but <laughs> and, and you know I've been following him since Chuck, and of course Tangled, and you know uh, all the other. Uh, then going into movies and becoming Shazam, which I thought was like spectacular. Oh yeah, um, perfect evolution. Will, will they? Won't they? And then of course my mm-hmm. memory went away, so I don't remember you. Now it's a fifty-first date, and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, just shoot me already. Right. Yeah, but it was like Ben Nikita and Monk had a baby. And totally. they went into Chuck, you know, and 
at the same time, I appreciate it because it was something special. It was something new. And, of course, um, Atypical kind of took that a little bit when they were working. Oh, yeah. Their, their best buy type thing. But Even as it went downhill, I, I still to this day miss that yeah. show. I still will – I, I still light up each time I see the actors promoting a new show and they get asked, when's the movie coming out for Chuck? And I was like, yeah, it's coming out sometime. It, 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 no. <laughs> we both know that's not, not going to happen. But it like, should. Like Dark Matter. But, you know, we're, we're – we're, Well, we're, and that's just healthy. it. What do you yeah. say when all these shows that need a movie, but the vantage point, the opening has already been sealed shut, you know? It won't well, get yeah, done. Yeah, I mean, and that's the good thing about Bone is that they were able to complete their shit. They, you know? I, I wonder and what made them. They must have just had a very well behaved set and everything, or just some other rarity, because, like you yeah. say, every other show got messed with along the way, and I guess. I you guess Hard Hansen really had always. Happy. And what makes me really happy is that it did not become a hot mess that Lethal Weapon did. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was never any behind the scenes where you're hearing about someone mistreating it. I mean, the most you got was Bornez had been found, like, committing adultery, and he fessed up to it right away, and his wife forgave him. And it's like, and everyone instantly forgot about it, and is like, okay, cool. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, yeah, but it wasn't like, let me go beat up my freaking counterparts and my and the people. I'm yeah, gonna, it wasn't. I'm a DUI or I. Yeah, like I oh, didn't, like I was saying from 100, like that mm-hmm. was the hotness, and then you have. I didn't go on SNL and fuck up a skit and say something inappropriate. I didn't. I I didn't. I didn't pull a Mel Gibson and say a racial slur. Well, I mean, well, I'm talking about like the TV show. Yeah, I, I, I I know, and and that was bad too. In terms of like, now we just got to recast this actor because now no, not even the crew wants to be around him. That's bad. Well, how, how, how can you when you're being violent? You know, and. Yeah, um, not he's a violent. method actor who doesn't seem to get that you've made everyone uncomfortable. Dude, so it's Daniel J. Lewis, but you didn't see him smacking his freaking, like, yeah. he was working with. Daniel J. Lewis is the method actor. He just um, became the character. He didn't, that didn't mean that he was going to go out of his way. Like, even as Bill the Butcher, he wasn't going around threatening people. Right, I mean, at home, you know, it's a little bit harder because he stays in that character the whole time, and he actually has to live away from his family during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, for that reason, because that's what I can't. I, I applaud like, him for finally again because I can't. Yeah. yeah, for retiring. But this guy, you know, who's drunk, who's alcoholic, you know, not only did he become an alcoholic, but a drug user, and he was violent, and he he was hitting, you know, and, and bullying, and so when that happens, or like the one hundred, when you start behaving like that character, and you start mm-hmm. bringing down the show, so I'm glad the one hundred was able to close that chapter. But with Lethal Weapon, yeah, they brought in um, John Williams Scott. Yeah. Yeah, Sean William Scott. And it was like, oh, we're just gonna bring in this guy, we're gonna pretend like nothing ever happened. That's he did a face brother, left whatever, or some bullshit that day. loses any sense of believability. <laughs> and call it a day, you know, and of course that ended because they just couldn't follow through anymore. And yeah. um but those shows when you have the, that background, you're gonna bring the show down. And luckily with Bones, we never heard anything. You know, and Never that heard was like, peep. oh my god, they were fighting, or they were like all these. They other can't happening. stand one another, and so yeah, yeah, then you hear that all the actors really dug working with each other, and it's like, uh, like that, that chemistry Michaela, you see on the show, you actually have that chemistry because Angela and Bones are really real friends, yeah. and even in real life as actors, yeah. so that was interesting right. to see. Is like, and they've all had some very interesting guest spots. I definitely remember 
uh, TJ Stein on a OC and 24 episode. He was even on just. Oh me. yeah. So, he wasn't just shooting. He was so young. He was the assistant. But um, so young. Uh, and so young. And Angela and uh, Tamara Taylor was in the Serenity movie, and I, I always light up when I see her in something else because it's like, yeah, is this in Canada? I think we're gonna see her here. <laughs> and and that's the hip. thing, you know. It, it's I'm hoping that as this, this, you know, things move forward, we'll see more of them. Um, or you know, like like totally. you said, more, and just guest spots for Emily. But I, I also think that you know, I hope so. You know, with with something like that, when you have that chemistry, the reason why it felt real is because it was real. It was totally you know, real. They were they were really good friends. They were all now, character actors who knew that you were only as good as the rest of the ensemble, and you had to. They they somehow someone must have been a real good acting coach to them, and just maybe they had good agents too. It's like acting is your brand, and at the same time, you know. You're, you're a professional and you have to like the people you work with and absolutely because you're gonna feel it like and I know this is kind of like it's sci-fi so I feel like it's within the same realm um so shoot me if you don't like it but let's go to Voyager <laughs> yeah no Star Trek is a good comparison for any character building of an so, ensemble I mean, it, it helps so with Voyager you you have this actress who really she and Jerry Ryan hated that. each other yeah well <laughs> not just i'm not talking about just Catherine and jerry i'm talking about the the person who played Tess. oh yeah yeah she was you can tell that the chemistry was just not there for everybody she was sticking out like a sore thumb there were uh, i understand they wanted more sex appeal and that's why they brought jerry right in yeah but she you can, could actually fucking act and you Catherine can blame eventually realized Rick holy Burnham shit she can't act but the reason why they didn't they didn't get along very well was that like Catherine was like she was afraid that it was gonna take away from her show was being taken was. away from her. And no, no, no. The script was very intelligent, it was very well written. And when you bring in sex appeal, why can't it just be a female captain who's a badass with a good crew trying to get home? Why do you have to bring in that sex appeal? That was and it wasn't Jerry and that wasn't Jerry's fault. No, I mean, it, it wasn't. But wasn't. I I read the 50-year journey that talked about that, and they talked about how, uh, according to a lot of her co-stars, they're like, not, you know, Jerry just wanted to be featured because, you know, she had a good agent, and everyone wanted to be on a hit show like that at the time, and Catherine was kind of like, this is kind of my show, I anchor it, and I don't want just anyone coming in, so. Well, not just anyone coming in, but why do you got to bring that sex appeal? But then when you start seeing Jerry Ryan actually acting the shit out of crap, you know, I mean, literally just acting so amazingly well because she had theater background just like everybody else did too. all the cast every, was pretty good and yeah, every I, star trek every star trek uh show you ever have they, they have the theatrical background um that is like a prerequisite to come in into star trek you i've been going through it again background. this year and i've been really liking yeah. it and unfortunately i kind of came in near the end where i saw a lot of the lesser episodes where there was a lot of forced humor you know contrived you know you know this isn't going to get wrapped up. It has to be a to-be-continued episode, you know? Right, but you have, you know, like I said, that, that, that chemistry. <laughs> and even though Catherine and Jerry didn't like each other, it didn't you show never on screen. saw it. Never. Because that's acting. While the other person who played Tess, I, can't, I don't know her, her real name, I apologize about that, but she, you could feel how awkward it was and how the chemistry just did not I think the work. character was just foreign because I mean it's already 
her character like ages differently and i guess the actors didn't know how to kind of get into that and i think the writers put her in a tough spot for that yeah and i think like you said with bones they had a right acting coach you had good agents you had the chemistry and when even i'm sure they i mean if Bornez and Deschanel were producers. I'm sure they had to have been in one of the writing rooms just saying, so how are we going to do this season, you know? How are we going to make this work? Absolutely. And I feel like with with Star Trek, it was just kind of like, this is what we're giving you. You have to make it work. Well, see, that was because Rick Berman didn't want to lose the license. If he didn't jump on and do another track show for the Paramount Networks, he was going to lose it and he didn't want to miss out on payday. Well, but after the, actually, the there was not going to be even a Star Trek Voyager show, you know, because everyone was like, holy crap, we just got off a TNG carrier with Voyager. Uh, well, that's where I read on 50 Year Journey is like, he was already doing DS9 and they wanted another right. one. And if he right. didn't do it then and there, he was going to, like you say, lose the license. Right. But they almost didn't have it as far as, like, that first season. So, like, when they did yeah. the first season, their their ratings weren't where DS9 was or what TNG was. They, they they didn't have that. And he was, of course, freaking out. Sick they were oversaturated in the market. And he uh, it's so crappy how he treated uh, Instant Kim. He's like... Right. I hate him, and he never explained why he hated him, and he never even confessed oh, it. But everyone, I have was... answers for you on that one. Oh, so please. Garrett Wang was actually showing up really drunk on set, um, mm. and he was showing up with that. I don't give a shit. You're not. I know you're not gonna cancel me. You're not gonna. You're not gonna throw me out because I'm one of the main characters. So he actually never got promoted on the show as a punishment for his behavior on set. And then they kept around because he had made the cover of a TV guide. And so they're like, okay. Correct. And Correct. But it doesn't mean that we're going to have to give you anything um, for that character. Uh, now, yeah. the, unfortunately, because the character did like, suffer after a while. The character did suffer because there was no promotion. But at the same time, even when he had his own ability to run his own ship, you know, it went to shit. And I, I think- hated how he almost missed out on the convention scene. Like it took Bob Picardo right. and. Uh, the guy who right. played Paris, McNeil, Correct. who also worked on Chuck, to just say, hey, get on it. And I think it's cool also that Bones has done occasional, like, expos. Like, I heard a GalaxyCon Live Zoom panel yeah. they did. Everybody, yeah, they, they brought it online and they were able to do it, so it was pretty cool. Totally. And, I mean, like you say, I think a lot of them are grateful for these opportunities. And at the same time, I think they learned over time, you know, I didn't have to love being there back then, but I can like it now and like that I'm remembered. I'm immortal in the world of TV. But like you say, it is rough. I think a lot of these guys knew, hey, if we're going to be in for the long haul, we have to, you know, this is it, you know, milk it, you know. And even the music they use in the show isn't terribly all that outdated. I cringed at like maybe two episodes in season one. But other than that, they used very independent kind of music. They didn't do all the overplayed stuff that they often would do on every other show, it seemed. Didn't they use Crystal Method for Yeah, oh yeah, they did the, they did the main title and that's a great theme and that I wasn't surprised when they started scoring a bunch of other movies and show and the compo- Peter Himmelman had worked on some of the same ones that some of the other producers had done. He was mainly worked in other bands, but Sean Calvary, he's best known for scoring La Femme Nikita, Twenty Four, Homeland and even Designated Survivor and Bull. So uh, I thought well, he yeah, was I mean, perfect. Look at- yeah, look at Trent and Atticus, you know, ever yeah, since they, they did, um, well, Atticus and, and Trent Reznor, um, they have their own scoring just for movies, mm-hmm. um, and then you have Trent 
doing his own shells, and then you have Atticus doing his own uh, mixing. But when you bring those yeah. together, absolutely from Drag Go with a Dragon Tattoo um, to Soul to Social Network, um, you comparison. have these. Each one has won an award for that for that kind of for that music that scoring. And ever since they did Social Network, after that they've just been getting picked up a lot more. Um, for their scoring and when you yeah. hear the score you know it's them two working together and that's what makes it so special and same thing with crystal method when they start off uh, when they when they were brought in to do they already had that music out but they put into bones after that they're like oh shit this could actually work for us <laughs> you know right and so they were they were able to be brought in to do more than what they already had been doing oh and i think they had to i mean everyone wants a new challenge and at the same time i don't th i think because they changed the show up enough no yeah. one wanted to go anywhere and like you say yeah crystal method was just hot shit there's still our hot shit uh, every once in a while you're gonna hear one of their songs played in a movie trailer and or a video game ad and i think that's just it i think this was everyone really just saw the results was impressed and they're like you know i can get comfortable for a while you know there wasn't that urgency of they, they knew they had a hit on their hands, so there was never this dying urge of, oh, I'm so fucking bored. I gotta do something else. I'm exiting after seasons such and such, you know? I'm, I, well, yeah. Look look what, you know, what's happening to Grant and to uh, and Melissa, you know, for, the, for those of you who don't know, uh, Grant uh, plays in Flash and Melissa is... Yeah, the superhero girl. ones have had a rough time because then you gotta do something... That only works in a comic book Even form. Even like, season eight, I'm out. I, Melissa yeah, Benoist, season I eight, I'm out. I changed uh, my face. Saying, you know what? Season recreated. eight is gonna be my last one. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm done. And that it's woman, not because they didn't love their character. We're not gonna even explain after it. <laughs> after a while, after a while, it just gets old playing a character, especially if you have different writers. You keep changing mm -hmm. locations. You keep that shit gets exhausting and how far do you keep going and it really with, does with, but, but with but when you have bones and you have that not only the chemistry but you also have really good writing and good coaching and good um uh, uh agents you're gonna basically have something that you want to stick around for as long as possible knowing that it does have to come to an end and when does they put it, some serious know, money into it and yet you Not never serious heard money, but serious work too. But but you never heard any bullshit even then of we're gonna because like Fox was canceling all its other shows left and right. It was so expensive, and I guess it must have been out. And, and it must have been just healthy enough in the comedy thing and all the sales that I guess they just said, okay, you know, we're gonna keep it going because, like you say, is like all the other shows. It's like they were paying like everybody like thirty million an episode or some shit, and now you're still seeing shit like that, like. It's like Get, but because they're getting the big name stars now to promote and host a giant limited series event or something like that. And it's like, yeah, the evolution of TV and somehow it was just in the right middle of that where everything had a serialized storyline with a standalone plot. So it made for good sensation, again, like the Voyager effect. And at the same time, like somehow something was clicking and you just never heard any incidents and I applaud that because I'm tired of hearing all this melodrama and you know and excuse. I mean, it's one thing to be it's one thing to be in a novella and it's another to be the novella <laughs> on the outside too mm -hmm. and that's that's what I feel with CW is doing the whole Fox shit right and uh we're we're talking about how like season one Fox okay you're canceled right makes so, sense so, so look at CW book. look at all the eight 
yeah, season eight, season eight, season eight. It just keeps hitting on the eight for that one book eight. that talked about the decline of Fox Network and how yeah, UPN yeah, game totally talked about how the whole UPN was highly uh, rated. You kind of broke up. Yes, I mean, I, I think yeah, that I'm know, not sure what's going on. That's okay. Um, I do know that you know over time, shit's gonna get old. But you know, CW is now doing the Fox thing. You know, as far as we're gonna be canceling after this number, they're it's just not playing to the teen that. crowd. So it's like if you're gonna get into weird. CW. Yeah, Riverdale. Because uh, UPN was kind of the urban channel and the sci-fi channel. And it's like, okay, so we're going to have, you know, a black sitcom. We're going to have a sci-fi show. Then we're going to have an X-Files or Star Trek knockoff in addition to those kinds of shows. And then we're going to have just a mix of everything else. But it was cool how it experimented and it was always getting its shows syndicated on sci-fi. And WB never really had that. It kind of always was in Teenville. You know, got to have something for older adults as well as young family. And so then they kind of grew out. Well, of then it. how do you how do you feel about how like CW is, is very teen, but then there's some shows that are not on there that are very teen that are on Netflix. So, yeah. for example, when I see The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, that's on Netflix, but it should really it be should on totally CW. have been after Supernatural or something like that or Who's Line. And this is like right, it should happened? be on CW. Same thing with Charmed, the the remake, which I hate, but that is on. <laughs> That's on CW, and uh, the thing was not what well, Swamp Man, right, or something like that. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, I think it was Swamp Man. They were kind of basically making oh, the Swamp remake thing. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It lasted only one season. Um, yeah, I can't. So, I wonder but then you why. Have like, <laughs> then you have shows like Lost Girl, you know, that only lasted five seasons, and then you have yeah. So it's it's kind of like a mixed bag with CW, but I feel like. Um, I don't really know where they're filming, but I know it's a mixed bag. I think bag, it's different know? network uh, programmers who, again, right. more often are much like the producers where they're looking at other trends and then they say, how about we get something like that? And some half the time it works and other times it just feels out of place or derivative because most everyone is watching the same stuff. So then they start picking up on the details and sent. <laughs> now, since we're in a world of Twitter, you know, this show lasted two decades, so it was good at being able to, uh, you know, halfway through, get some Twitter updates, and, you know, you saw a bit of live tweeting during episodes, and it's like, yeah, I mean, they definitely were getting enough feedback, but they didn't need it. They they knew what they were. They knew how to compose themselves, unlike the bones that were shattered themselves. <laughs> and I think, yeah. like you say, like, yeah, I, I think... UPN and Sci-Fi Channel and uh, were kind of one and two together, especially when certain cable channels were buying, had syndication deals with networks. And so, yeah, it's like TNT, they're playing Charmed and uh, Bones back to back. I'm sure a lot of those networks were like, well, we got to get another show kind of like that that can be syndicated on cable later. <laughs> and some of it all, almost all has to kind of do with, yeah, who's producing it, what channel's airing it, and all the other assets that own whatever other channel. And now that's kind of a bitch now. Cause like now Netflix is kind of the second life for everything. And yet there's so many other shows, which it's also kind of like HBO been unpopular at doing, which is suddenly abruptly canceled because they're like, this is so cheap and yet no one's watching it. So no Jose, no go, not going anywhere. <laughs> Muy problema. <laughs> no, and and that's the thing is that over time, right? Everything's over time. Yeah, 
USA has like maybe two shows on Netflix, but everything else dead, not even syndicating yeah. it or shopping it up. Even, even the streaming only shows are now popping up on other platforms. I've seen a lot of stuff from crackle uh, pop up on Netflix. I've seen some stuff from only prime now pop up on uh, Hulu. I'm like, okay. Yes. And there's some stuff that's only Hulu that's, you know, been popping out on other ones. Yeah, but it's I, like they lose the contract track right. and the production company wants some extra moolah. So they're like, all right, let's try this out. Let's make it be to where it's free to stream with ads or. Uh, yeah, when we look at rent. Netflix, right? They, they, they brought Lucifer in and then yeah. they actually brought Lucifer into the crossover uh, Infinite Crisis. So that was pretty freaking yeah. cool crossover. Yeah, Crisis but, on Infinite Earth. That was great. Yeah. And that that was kind of the one of the only crossovers that really worked it wasn't like the other times where it's like you got to watch the episodes in certain order for them to make sense the chicago shows are pretty good at that but there are other ones that are still struggling with that they just don't seem to get that not everybody watches tv live they record it and or they don't watch it at all until years later so it's like hey for ratings you know, you brought that up I, I just thought of something while you were saying that the tv show new amsterdam yeah, no, that's a good example. Another good hospital show that could have easily been just a poor man's, you know, ER, and it instead kind of went the way of St. Elsewhere or Chicago Med, where it's just trying to be, is like very atypical in its characterization. But do you feel like they're trying too hard? Uh, sometimes, yes. Other times, not really. But yeah. It, there, there's some other ones, though, that are way bad. I, I took a few episodes of station 19 which has the female lead from uh rosewood and i was just like nope <laughs> goodbye yeah and sometimes that happens right so we'll go see a show because that other person's in it and then you see you're like oh this is not work there's even other shows that everyone even forgets are in the same universe because the cameos by the other characters are just so subtle like everyone forgets that scandals in the same universe as how to get away with murder and those two shows are very odd because I would have sworn years ago Scandal would have been a CBS kind of show instead right. of ABC. And it's on ABC, which is like, wait, what? <laughs> and same thing with Murder. That's on ABC. And I was like, that's yeah. kind of more of a CW kind of show because it seems like Murder and Sex just goes together there for whatever reason on that. Well, see, the reason why I saw Brain Dead was because... <laughs> a good show. Tony Shalhoub was in it, but so was... Um, the actress who's uh, who plays the huntress and uh, suicide uh, not suicide squad excuse me birds of prey um so oh, uh, and also scott oh, yeah. Pilgrim. so you yes. know it's 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 kind of cool uh she's gonna be in a new show called kate on netflix soon um so it's actually really uh, uh, uh winstead yeah yeah thank you yeah so it's kind of interesting to see him playing that role and then you see him in monk um so that was actually kind of cool to yeah, see that. Yeah, I didn't know about that show until three years later after yeah. it got canned. And it's like, what good promotion they did. Where was but I? You know what, I was paying attention to everything. But you know what, though? Even though it ended the way it did, I'm actually okay with it. Because it makes sense that it would end that way. Oh, I'll Even defend... though it only did two seasons, I would love more. Don't get me wrong. I would I'll... fucking love more. I'll defend but, at least 20 canceled shows, whether they ended well or not. If it was worth yeah. the ride and just seeing yeah. the fascinating material is like, it just shows you just because it gets it canceled doesn't mean it's bad. It was so unique and it was so different and it was uh, kind of like iZombie, uh, but- Good contrast because that was another one yeah. that 
no one heard anything bad about and then they got a colorful history about one of the recurring guest stars and then everyone kind of it became the butt of many jokes and it didn't have anything to do with the otherwise amusing quality of the show <laughs> this is like right. yeah and that's kind of interesting because that is kind of like bones meets evil dead <laughs> it really is you know the i zombie part and then brain dead is basically what was happening um in our current political status yeah <laughs> it makes let's a lot of sense, be so. a funnier version of west wing with <laughs> yes. again yeah with some colbert yes. daily show type stuff and yeah yes Yes, and then you have a little bit of monk humor in there. So, um, very much. I, I, yeah, I, I, I liked, you know, what what it could have done. Uh, but I, at the same time, you know, the the way it ended, would I love more? Absolutely. But you know, it's it explains why the climate is the way it is today. So it it just kind of had that little that nod, you know, that the humor. And, but and the these only guys are I used was because of those two. So oh, totally. And these actors are always used to getting bad news and just going on to the next best thing. They know that their name means a lot once they've done at least one hit show. And I think that's just yeah. It. It and like, then after that, for her, she went to go play Huntress, and now you know Kate. So. Mm -hmm. um, what really helped her was Scott Pilgrim. So it's interesting to see that. that this guy isn't going to suffer at all. Especially right. They're after... not going to suffer. They're going to get something. Tony Shalhoub's always going to be somewhere. He will <laughs> always be the best part about anything, even doing some voiceovers. Um, and so, yeah, Deschanel, I think she's going to keep jumping on a few other things. We're just kind of seeing it just kind of take its time. And then. Same thing with Boreans. You know, he's going to be doing more than steel team he's i hope so I, he yeah. he's been interesting how he was able to even sneak in a few movies while bones was on and i thought that was interesting because they were authority figure roles but they were also very atypical he was you know the cursing type not safe for work kind and michaela conlin she was a nosy journalist who got brutally murdered on a season of yellowstone and that was interesting because her character kind of appeared out of nowhere and then they didn't do anything with her and then season two she comes into the picture and her storyline was probably the more memorable part of the whole, you know, morbid side of that show. And it's like, okay, so they are getting some bit more juicier roles as time is going on. And again, Tamara Taylor was the futuristic lawyer in that Altered Carbon show. So it's like, that was interesting to see her on there. Like, okay. I'm so glad you brought that up because when I saw her, I was like, oh, snap. You Hello. know, but she was perfect <laughs> for that role. Yeah. And great in Altered Carbon. I was like, yay, she got a Netflix special. And on organized <laughs> crime. I've already talked about that, yeah. but I mean, that Law and Order spinoff, she was good at actually kind of, as like, she was very we were so susceptible to her atypical persona is like, okay, she's doing a lot of evil things, but for some kind of personal cause, what is it? And uh, I like it. I've never seen her do this kind of role before, but she can totally do it. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, look at Tiffany Amber Thiessen. You know, the only thing they could have ever done was Saved by the Bell and then mm -hmm. one caller. And you're like, there you go. whoa, you have grown since then. Um, the and Zach Morris person. both had a good agent. No one else did. <laughs> right, but then again, there was a big gap between Saved by the Bell and uh, White Collar. That was bad, a huge gap. Bad TV movies, and yeah, and then finally but someone. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> she was able to get on a show that lasted for a few seasons. And um, granted, you know, she's an ambassador, and she has her own um, nonprofit organization that she's a, a part of, but. She's coming, you know, she came back for the, the reboot of uh, Saved by the Bell. But, I mean, it was kind of cool seeing her act that be between Saved by the Bell and then White Collar. I was like, 
wow, you're actually really good. You know, you should stick to that. Oh, totally. You should do more stuff like that. And, you know, and I, I was really surprised to see that. And same thing with Emily. Um, I had never seen her anything. And going straight into Bones and really coming up. I was um, going for Crossing Jordan, and I saw the episode yeah. before pre-fame she was in. I was like, that's fun. <laughs> she learned I never from seen the that. Best. I'm going to have to definitely look at that. That um, was another show that was always kind of a sleeper hit. And no one yeah. ever kind of put two and two together. It was always, oh, it's ER meets CSI. I like Crossing Jordan. I did. I oh, like yeah. that. We'll do an episode of that soon. <laughs> uh, because uh, Carrie's in it, and she's fantastic mm-hmm. in uh, uh, American, uh, the Americans. So, uh, right? Carrie Russell. American? Yeah. Carrie yeah. Russell. Yeah. And she was in a, in a, in a movie, too, with um, Mission Impossible. Uh, which mm-hmm. is funny. Well, she was been, she's been in a couple movies, but um, she was only in a movie with Tom Cruise, right? But also Jeremy Riss, uh Myers, who also plays her husband Tudor's in in the Rush, uh, August Rush. Oh, so yeah, I never seen but yeah, that's true. He's a main actor, and yeah, so they played a couple in August Rush, and of course they were together in the movie with uh, Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool, even though I know she dies in Mission Impossible. Spoiler. Well, those are still um, interesting but, contrasts of actors yeah. who had hit shows and then no one knew what to do with them. And then they started slowly just doing, rec- you know, brief voiceover, brief, you know, key roles, even thankless yeah, roles. Yeah, because she was the uh, uh, Myers from Tudors. I mean, he played with, uh, from Paris with Love with John Travolta. I mean, he was, right. he's been in a fantastic and I love him. Just, just a wonderful actor. The accent definitely helps, and totally. like, the looks too, right? But um, yeah. seeing him um, play something fast, something hard, and then see Carrie Russell from movies, and of course Crossing Jordan, but then moving to uh, Americans, uh, it's it's kind of cool seeing her do that back and forth because then you have the Black Widow, which is based off of that KGB lifestyle. So I just thought that was kind of cool. Oh, totally. They were KGB before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were KGB before it was cool. So uh, we, we, we go back to when they first started to where they are now with Emily. <laughs> I, I literally had nothing to uh, compare it to. So seeing right? how, how far she grew in those seasons, because she not only evolved, the character evolved, you know, and it totally evolved. She evolved yeah. along with it. So I thought that was really neat to bring that in. And thank God that they got that opportunity because there were so many okay. others who, like you say, they like to outthink their agent. Like I've talked before about how Michael Chiklis, he decided to lose weight, shave his head. He didn't want to be, he had had two shitty sitcoms and in between like just doing some brief voiceovers on Family Guy, he still was just known as the guy from the commish and the people didn't, almost didn't cast him on the shield. And it was like, well. <laughs> but you know what though? And then of course he came out of the thing. Um, uh, a fantastic story. He, he, he played um, in but um, it's just, it's interesting how he went from TV show to TV show to TV show to I'm in a movie, but only, it only was two movies. And then yeah. that's it. And having know? to balance it out and then figure out what's hot stuff and then try and, you know, avoid the pits of just starring in a, you know, festival only movie that airs on Amazon Prime. That's not very good. You know, you got to be able to, like you say, just keep. You, you can't predict success, but you can definitely uh, get a feel for the project. And if your heart's not in it, then just don't do the movie because you will look awful. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, 
mean, I like him as an actor, and I just think that he really hasn't had really good agents, but that's just me. And I think, I think people are slowly waking up and realizing that regardless of what the tabloids say, you know, you're not going to hit your it out of the park the first time. Like, at first, everyone was kind of trying to make fun of Margot Robbie, and it's like, well, she fortunately... By the time she did I, Tanya, everyone was going to stop making jokes about her. And it's like, okay, cool. Because <laughs> everyone begins somewhere. And just because the movie doesn't have critical reception doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't have some kind of fans. <laughs> and uh, It's the same thing when, you know, Holly Berry and uh, Charlize Theron win Oscars and then everyone makes fun of the lesser movie they make instantly after. And it's like, okay, so it's not a great movie, but, you know, you still saw it because you liked them. So. Well, same thing with like uh, Charlize and, and Old Guard. And, you know, I, I thought that was a fantastic show. On the, oh yeah, it's great. A, a movie, uh, but it was fantastic, and I'm, and I'm glad the second one's coming out because I think there's so much more to to, to do. They can but, totally build on it compared to Gunpowder Milkshake. Absolutely, <laughs> it, which I love Gunpowder Milkshake. I it was fun, I, but it I had want some... that as an actual. I actually want to buy that. I thought it was okay. It just it had some pretty bad filming edits in between the good stuff. Actually, no, it, that's on purpose. So you never probably saw Bon Raku, but Bon Raku was the movie with Ron Perlman. No, Bon uh, Raku was all right. I thought yeah, that was... so it, it kind of had that same style, eyes and same editing. Yeah, but I have an HD TV, and this had a lot of pixelization at random times. It had nothing to do with my connection. I fast rewind wound just to make sure uh, uh, i don't know i didn't see that i i didn't see that it's after the bowling um, so fight i thought it was pretty it had the well see that's just it the style looked good but there were a few other things that if you messed around with a red camera is like hmm looks like there's some bizarre color tints and clean up there yeah but but think about it though. If they're gonna go off the same stylization or editing as they do with Bon Raku, because remember the coloring looks the same, the stylize is the same, the the filmography. The filmography that was kind of more like Sin City for me. <laughs> um, no, because Sin City. Not the black and white, but just more the uh, introduction to everybody. Correct, <laughs> yeah. right. It has well. That's more of a comic book feel, right? That that they're. I guess so. Um, <laughs> Where are they going now? Bonarco was basically a big pop-up book, you know, and then Gunpowder Milkshake was more like a also pop art, um, pop-up <laughs> comic book type. Um, so I don't know. Awesome. I liked it, but that's just. It was like, fun, but it though. wasn't. It, it had some serious flaws, like some dead space in between each character reveal. I kind of got attached like right away. I, I don't know why it was, and I, I absolutely enjoyed that. And see, a lot of people don't know about Bon Raku. Um, I love that fucking film so much. Um, but I, I like Porky. That has like a that. lot of actors who were kind of on the D-list for a while, and this is like, man, they're good actors, and you need to stop shitting on them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and but the, I hope the, these actors that we've been talking about this whole episode don't end up on any kind of D-list. <laughs> No, because I honestly, everyone that we talked about is good in their own right. Um, I just think that... You always remember them when they even just guest star on a program because they... Absolutely. You get excited because you're like, yeah, oh, snap, they that's what they're doing. They definitely you know? took the five minutes of fame seriously, you know, the slogan. Yes, 
and and yes, they 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 do try to do other things in between. You're only as good also, as your effort. Yeah, as your effort. Also, the last thing you did, right? And a lot of these actors, they're so good that they can pick and choose what they want to do. Exactly. And so when we do see them, we get excited because we're not only did we fall in love with their character, but we fell in love with the person as well and the, what they're portraying. Totally. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to wrap this chat up. Thank you ever so much for having one hell of a two hour epic conversation. <laughs> See, that's actually no. pretty short comparatively speaking. <laughs> right. Where we did two episodes back to back in one cram space. So yeah. That's so funny. But thank you so much for having me on here. And I'm so glad we were able to have a discussion about Absolutely. And, you know, hopefully Anytime. we'll chime in and see what they have to say about it. Please. Please. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin cough, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Yeah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah. 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 Good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you <laughs> no, no, don't run the listeners away PJ. Ah, i'm sorry but this is going kind of long yes so we'll end this and say hey check out the home video hustle every friday on all the various podcast outlets peace peace as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster 
and while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. Oh, oh, oh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love your movies We love the bad ones, too
So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh yeah. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit at eilfm.podbean.com Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier, Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author, Wendy Heller, and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. 
There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi there. It's Heather from the Watching Netflix Without You podcast. Did you know that there are over 1,200 Netflix original feature films and documentaries? And that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet, and in the second half, after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to Watching Netflix Without You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.